5, verse 14. Everybody go right there, all right? Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. It says right here, You are the light of the world. Uh, you know, it says in the scripture also, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, right? Look that up real quick. I am the light of the world. So Jesus is actually says in John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, uh, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You pass. Okay. John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Let's go put your finger in Matthew chapter 5 and go over here to John chapter 8. Okay. That's what we're going to talk about. See, a lot of people, <clears throat> when they talk about Jesus, um, what people don't, here's, here's what I want to try to break today. I'm going to try to break something. We have this understanding, and it's not wrong, it's just not complete, okay? We have an understanding that Jesus is the answer, right? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? No man can come to the Father except through me, right? That's in John chapter 14, okay? I think it's verse 12, I don't know what verse it is, but verse, shoot, look it up real quick. So everybody's got John chapter 8, everybody's got John Matthew chapter uh, 5, right? The way, the truth, and the life, I believe it's John chapter 14. Man, uh, skipping around. I know, I'm going to give you a bunch of scriptures here today, okay? Right, truth and the life. Talk slower so I can write this down. It's John chapter 14, 6, okay? I mix up John chapter 14, 6 and 12 because 12 says, if you believe in me, you'll do the so same thing. Out of six and so John, you're going to write all these down and you're going to go look them back up when we're done, okay? Right. So I'm giving you a bunch of scripture references I'm going to teach okay. on them and y'all can go study them yourself, all right? Just write the scripture heads down. Yes, sir. 14, so John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me, right? All right, so we teach on that, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way. It says, he says, I'm the door. No one can get to the Father except through me, right? Anyone who tries to get a different way, uh, you know, is false, right? So, we see right here, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Over here in John chapter 8, verse 12. Let's read that one real quick. And again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Okay? Now, what's interesting about that is um, it's not just like the light of life. Like, you know, back in the day, um, whenever the Israelites were in the wilderness, they would follow a pillar of fire in the middle of that the night. That was the 40 years they were with Moses. That's right. 40 years they were in the wilderness. Yeah. So... Like, when Jesus was saying that, he was likening himself unto the pillar of fire, you know? That when they, in the middle of the night, when they were walking through the darkness, that he was the light of their life. That's good stuff. Anyone who follows me, why would he say follows me? In the dark? Except for the, yeah, in so the he dark. Glowed. Mm -hmm. He's shown the light in the darkness, okay? <laughs> um, he's shown the light in the darkness. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from and where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. In your law it's written that the testimony of two people is true. And it goes on. There's a bunch of stuff there. but Alright, so Jesus says here in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light. Okay? Now, here's the problem. 
we focus so much a lot of times in our churches that Jesus is the light, you know, like Jesus is the one who heals. Jesus is the one who sets you free, right? I've even had, uh, I've had people go around and say, man, I went out here and I saved this guy. And somebody else would get all over him for saying, you're not the one who saves, Jesus is the one who saves. <clears throat> all right. So here's, here's the issue. Um, Jesus does all the saving. Yes. But where does Jesus live? In us. In us. If he comes into you. Yes, it's both of us. So we, Scripture says right here, let's look it up real quick. Uh, we are co-laborers with Christ. Let's look at that one up, okay? Yeah, where there's two. We are on the planet Earth. <coughs> says uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. Let's go there real quick. Keep your finger in Matthew 5. Right. We'll go back up here to verse 5. What then is Apollos? What is Paul, Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I like that. Servants from whom, through whom you believed. So there's a servant that came to you, and you believed through him. Now, when we look at Paul, we don't really look at him as a servant. We look at him as a leader, right? We look at him as a, you know, the chieftain of the of the gospel. But but Paul didn't consider himself anything except a servant. It's good, you know. That's so good. It's really good. We've got to understand how much of a servant we really are before God really promotes us. Okay? Um, so he comes through, he says, I planted. Uh, so we have different levels? They're all servants. But God promotes. Several, the servants have different levels. Yes. So it's right here. Uh, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. God always gives the increase. Okay? So what we're talking about here, we're talking about, I'm, I'm trying to, to, to fix something here because. There is a, uh, no, hold on, Zach, we're going to keep going. <clears throat> so it says right here, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. All right? So we realize that we are co-workers with Christ. We work with Christ. We're not the actual source of the light. However, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, it says you are the light. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk about the balance between this. How Christ does all the work. God gives all the increase, but we're just the servant. Okay. But we also have to realize something about even Jesus. Oh, man, there's so much good stuff here. Uh, mm. a bigger blackboard. Uh-huh. So much stuff is popping in my head right now. Okay, it's Jesus is the servant, too. And Isaiah, in the prophet of Isaiah, it talks about the suffering servant. Jesus says, there's no, the disciples not above his teacher, yet I'm the one serving you. So we have to realize something about Jesus. Even Jesus himself. He came as a servant. I mean, not a serpent, a servant. Uh, in Philippians, in Philippians, it says that Christ didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he came in the form of a servant. Even in the weakness of man, even to the point of death, humbled himself. And therefore, he has now been exalted to the highest spot. Okay? So here's the thing, guys. Jesus came as a servant. We are servants, okay? There's a lot of things that we actually, um, we portray Jesus. The scripture says that we are the body of Christ, okay? So what we're going to talk about here today is how everything comes through God, but Christ was just an example of how we were supposed to be living, okay? He was actually a servant, a man, and he didn't do his miracles because he was a deity, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. <clears throat> it says right here. For we are, 
or verse 8, He who plants and, and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. Okay, so this is important. What we have to realize is we're co-laborers with Christ. Yet Christ didn't do all the work. He was the beginning. He was the cornerstone. He was the cornerstone, but he didn't... It says, I am the beginning and the end. I believe he's the cornerstone, the cornerstone and the and the top cap, the end cap. You know what I mean? The end piece. But between there is us. Okay? There's something we have a work to do. Here's what happens. We, we have a hyper-grace message that teaches, well, God's going to do it all. Okay? What's a cornerstone there? I don't know what that is. I know that. Okay. I don't know what that is. Cornerstone. All right, here's what a cornerstone is. If you're in masonry, your first piece of, corn, of, of stone comes in there, and it has to be perfectly square, and it gets set. And the next stone goes on it, and the next stone goes on it, and built on it. If the cornerstone is skewed this way or that way, then the whole wall gets off. Uh, okay, so the cornerstone is the first one. It's the first one they built. Okay. In fact, it's uh, a lot of times they would build their whole castle on that cornerstone, and when the enemy would come through, they would go to the corner of the wall, okay, like and they that. would dig underneath the corner of the wall, and the whole wall would come crumbling down because of that corner piece. So the cornerstone is uh, very important. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we're going to look up the three, the the, the, the gifts of the talents. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Matthew chapter twenty-five. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to an, to each according to his ability. Okay. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents here, and I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Now we might look at him and be like, Oh, man, he had five talents. Man, he had, he had more than anybody else. He had a lot. Jesus, God says, what you have is a little. Whatever you've been given, oh, so whatever you've been given, it is a little. He wants to give you more, but you have to be faithful with what you have right now. Amen. It's good. Mm. I don't care. I don't care if you have a multi-million-dollar business. I don't care if you have a hundred churches. It's still a little compared to, the compared to what He wants to give you. It's good. All right. Be faithful with the little you have. So also, he who had the two talents came two talents, uh, made two talents more. All right? So, uh, you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And also, he who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. Now, I have a question. Just because the one guy got five and the other guy got two, did they get the same reward? <laughs> They're well done. Wow. They got the same reward from their from their master. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now they were given more, and it, one was given five more, one was given two more. So what they were given was different, but the same recognition was given to both. You see what I'm saying? The same well done, good and faithful servant. But the master was pleased with the one who got two more. So a lot of times we look, we try to compare ourselves to so and so over here. Stop comparing yourself to so and so over there. Are you doing double what you're doing now? 
Are you increasing? That's all you need to do. Don't be trying to compare yourself to if you're if you're going into ministry or if you're Amen. going into uh, as a, a, a regular saint and you're trying to compare yourself to other people in the ministry and well I'm not as good as so and so over there. I don't have as much fruit as that person. No, listen. What are you doing with the little you have? Did you increase what you had? That's all God cares about. He don't care whether you got you know a following of a hundred thousand people or two. He don't care about that. What he cares is are you increasing what you've been given? Every person has a ministry. God has equipped the saints with the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and pastors, right? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Who does the ministry? Not not the fivefold. The saints. <laughs> My job is to equip you so you can do the work. You see? The saints do the work of the ministry. We get so bent out of shape about, well, I'm just not as anointed as my pastor. Quit it. Amen. The pastor is not supposed to be doing all the work. The pastor is not supposed to be doing all the work. The pastor is supposed to be pouring into you, and you're supposed to be going out into the world preaching the gospel. And that's what we're talking about here. Light shines. You are the light of the world. Are you shining? Are you doing anything with what you got? That's the real question. You got to be doing something with it. Whether you're a pastor or a prophet or a teacher or a saint. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. You all have work to do. <coughs> so where are we at? Yeah. Uh, we were in first. We were in Matthew chapter 25, right? <laughs> His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. This is the um, Calvinist's worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it is. Calvinist? Yes, a Calvinist believes that... Uh, the, uh, the Calvinists believe that everything happens um, for, a for a reason. They believe that um, God's in control well, of everything. And they also believe that... Well, it's just not biblical. I'm sorry. It's not? <laughs> everything does happen for a reason. No. Well, Two reasons. To destroy your faith or build your faith. Yeah. But it's one, not always it's from God. One or the other. But it's, I've been lucky. You know, I've been luckier than luck. Check it out. It's not always from God. Okay? No, what the Calvinists God? will say... The Calvinists believe in the supreme uh, sovereignty of God, and their understanding of sovereignty isn't even a, a real definition. But it's, so it's not in the Bible. Sovereignty, they say that God is sovereign. Well, it's the sovereignty of God. The so where they get this from is when it talks about how Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Okay, well, first of all, it was hardened, which means it was already hard. He just yeah. hardened it. He made it hard. He made it worse. He made it worse. When the guy wouldn't repent, he made it worse. You see? But you have to understand, too. Uh, check this out. It wasn't, God didn't harden Pharaoh's heart when he put him in slavery. God didn't tell Pharaoh to kill, the, to kill all the babies. You see? Yeah. It was Pharaoh who did that. Then God said, I'm going to pass judgment on Pharaoh and all his gods. Pharaoh was punished. That's right. So he was punished for his sin. He was, uh, God sent judgment onto Pharaoh for his sin. What did you do? The ten plagues of Egypt. Oh, is that what that was? That was. With the locusts and all that? Mm-hmm. All right, so you, everybody follow what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> but they get this from there because of Romans chapter 8, and they even go into talking about predestination. Listen, everybody was predestined. Everybody was predestined to go to heaven. 
How can you take one chapter of the Bible and then misunderstand a few things? Because in Ezekiel it says that God says, I desire that none should perish, but all should repent and live. And Jesus says, my father desires that none of these little ones should perish. Okay, so how can you say that the will of God is that some people go to hell and some people go to heaven? And that's what the Calvinists believe. They believe that if you're going to heaven, it's because God chose you. If you're going to hell, it's because God chose that. Why is it, wait a minute, why is it Calvinist? That's what I'm trying to explain. Everything I just said is what a Calvinist believes. So that's the proper... It's not the proper. What I'm trying to show you is it's a nightmare for, for them when I'm going to read this scripture to you. So there was a breed of those people back then. <coughs> and they're still here today. Really? Okay. You either believe or you don't. Well, okay, see what's interesting about Calvinism is Calvinism is not a church. It's a thought. Right. Yeah. And it is, mm. uh, it is actually an infestation into our churches. And it's not just one church, or not just one denomination that believes wow. this. It, the, it's, it's literally, I think it's a false doctrine. It's completely contradictory to the scripture. They twist scripture is what they do. So they're two-paced. Yeah. yeah, but here, let me... Is that what that means? No, no. Right. Listen, they talk about the sovereignty of God. Listen, if you look at the word sovereign, it just means the right to rule. If you, it's the right to, to self-govern and to govern, okay? Mm -hmm. If you look up, when you say, oh, we are a sovereign nation, what that means is that that nation has rights to create laws and to judge its constituents for those laws. So if you come into like uh, 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 the United Nations, okay, they vote on different nations' sovereignty. What they're saying is, do they have a right to rule? What sovereign means is this person has the final word on a subject okay he will have final judgment what sovereignty means is that god's going to judge everybody on a final judgment day that's what sovereignty means okay As an individual okay yeah it means he is going to judge each person now there are judgments that happen in the world you know if you study the old testament you see that clearly you know that god would judge even before the final judgment he would send judgment you see mm -hmm. and so this was the sovereignty of god but when jesus came into the world he says i came not to condemn the world but i came to save it so we entered into a place, just wait for a We came into a, a, a time frame now where Jesus has said, I've taken the judgment. You see? Jesus, how can you get judged for your sin and Jesus be judged too? It's called double jeopardy. So when people get sick, they're like, well, God sent that on me. Okay? The only way I can, now, the only way I can reason with this, that it could possibly happen this way. Hear me out on this one, okay? I don't think I've heard anyone teach on this. Okay? But if you are in covenant with God, this is the this is if you if you study Isaiah chapter fifty four, this says if you're in covenant with you'll be established in my covenant of peace. I have a question: Is everyone established in the covenant of peace? No, no, they're not. No, they're not. This is very this is an interesting revelation. Okay, I don't think I've heard anybody else teach on this. I'm going to teach it. It's a little dangerous. Because it could separate me the from all the churches. The covenant of God is something physical, isn't it? The covenant? Look, just wait till the end. We'll have a discussion at the end, okay? <clears throat> when I, this, if you go to Isaiah 54, it says, I will establish him in my covenant of peace. But not everybody is in that covenant of peace. If you're not in Christ, you're not, with peace with, you're not in peace with God. You see? So when all hell breaks loose in your life, it's because you're not in covenant with God. You see? Mm -hmm. So there is a... 
I hate to say it like this. I'm not trying to say that God's out to get you. Hear me out. I'm not saying God's out to get you. I'm saying there is a law that has been set in place that says, for the wages of sin is death. It was said before Christ. But if we want to know the heart of Christ, if we want to know the heart of the Father, Jesus shows us the true heart of the Father, that God desires not that the wicked should perish, but that they should repent and live. You see what I'm saying? So when all hell breaks loose in your life because you're not serving God, it's not that God is trying to kill you. It's just you're living. You're just not living in covenant. You're not. You're taking part of the promises of God because your faith is set on something different. You see, be it according to your faith. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say? Mm, it's hard. You're not having shelter. It's real hard teaching here, huh? It's not, it's not like having shelter. Like you're not in a house. Yeah. Tornadoes are all out there, but you're not in this house. You're not protected. <laughs> yeah. You covering authority. Covering. It's like this. Um. Yes, there is a covering. It's just, it's just like this. If I tell you, hey man, put this umbrella on. It's yeah. raining outside. Put it on. Put it over your head. If you put it over your head, you won't get rained on. And then you say, uh, and you take off that umbrella, and you don't have the umbrella, and you go out in the rain. You're like, man, these clouds, they hate me, right? You're I mean, judging God. You're judging. No, you're listen. You are entered into the rain, where it's gonna make you wet. You know, it's just a matter of reality. You chose it. It it's it's like if you want to go to outer space without a spacesuit, because I can do what I want. But in outer space, you need a spacesuit because that world is. There's not. laws in space. Yeah. Don't take off your helmet. If you do, you're gonna die. But that's something I hate you. But there's rules. to yeah. chill in space. You're you're talking about the God who created creation. I don't need you going out of space, right? Listen, whenever God created yeah, the law, listen, listen, listen. Deuteronomy chapter twenty-eight. It wasn't when you, when God created the law. Okay, you see in Deuteronomy chapter 28 where he says, here's a list of blessings and here's a list of curses. Mm-hmm. I set before you today a choice. Good stuff. Choose life Amen. or choose death. Okay? <laughs> it wasn't saying, hey man, y'all are hopeless cause, I'm going to come after you and I'm going to kill you. You, hear, you see what I'm saying? This isn't what God was, this God's heart isn't to destroy us. Amen. God's heart is to restore us. Why? We're already in a hopeless position. Uh, I've said this illustration before, you know, when people get mad, well, are you telling me that if I don't choose Jesus, he's going to send me to hell? Look, you're already going to hell. Come on. Is there any under that? Jesus came to save you from hell. Mm. It's just like being out in the water at the Titanic, and if I threw a a life preserver out to you and you got offended at me for throwing a life preserver, what do you tell me? If I don't grab this life (laughs) preserver, I'm going to drown and freeze to death? Yes. Yes, I'm not (laughs) telling you that I, but I'm not throwing you in the water. You're already in the water, you see. Mm-hmm. It's not. I'm not. We're not. See what we see. God as this, this big bad person always trying to come out and get us. Well, the truth is, God has just set up laws. If we break those laws, they bring death. You see why? Because God has created this order that we could live life and live life abundantly. But we chose to do our own thing and our own wisdom and our own understanding, and this causes us to fail. We're malfunctioning now. It's not God's fault. It's our fault. But we want to blame God. Well, God sent all this stuff on me. No, you are living in sin, and sin reaps corruption. Yes. So it started out with Adam, and then there's, there is a natural sin that we enter into. We're born into sin. Okay? Um, but it's also a matter of our own choice. Okay, so going back to Isaiah 54. Here's what we understand. Listen, we, we cannot mistake in the judgment of God as making God not... <coughs> chapter 54, verse 1. All right. 
We cannot look at the judgment of God as all of a sudden making God look like a bad guy. Amen. Like, this is the problem, I think, with some of the churches, um, even in the charismatic movement, is that they portray God, that they think that judgment makes God evil. Judgment doesn't make God evil, it just makes him not a liar. I'm going to say that again. The judgment of God does not make God evil. Amen. The judgment of God just makes him not a liar. It actually makes him very... Isaiah 54, people use it in the charismatic movement all the time to show the goodness of God. But in Isaiah 54, it talks about this judgment wrathful side of God too that we don't deal with. You know, I, I used to get upset with my denominational church in the past for skipping over tongues. Now I'm getting upset with the charismatics for skipping over this uh Where this part. Shh, shh, wait till the end. Wait till the end. Now I'm getting upset with the certain denominations I, I, I'm watching that skip over the wrath of God. God's wrath is real. The fear of God is real. It's a real fear. Okay? I mean, when you talk about God prophesying in Jeremiah that they would eat their own kids because they would. Okay? Listen, you're talking about um, the wrath of God is a real thing. We don't need to play with it. Even in the New Testament, people drop dead for lying to the Holy Spirit. Even in the New Testament, Paul um, cursed a man who uh, was trying to <clears throat> deceive the Sanhedrin, and he became blind. Paul himself was made blind. So, it, was it bad that God blinded Paul? Was that evil? Is it evil that God blinded Paul? We have to deal with this. This is real stuff. Listen, we go, in the, listen, we go into one church over here, and they don't ever want to talk about the supernatural gifts of God. Why? Because <laughs> they believe in the sovereignty of God. They can't believe God for anything. Then you want to come over here to this group over here, and they say God's good, and that he never does anything what they define as evil, judgment is not evil. Judgment is ju is good. Just. Judgment is just. Judgment is holy. Okay? But what's above judgment? Mercy. Mercy, Trump. So we see Jesus as being the merciful one. But Jesus went and turned over tables in the temple. I mean, look. If we... To define anger and wrath as evil would make God evil. So Jesus and lost it. Listen. Right? Anger is actually uh, an emotion you have because of evil. Injustice. Because of an injustice that you feel. Yeah. The only time that your anger is wrong is when you have a skewed understanding of justice. If you're getting angry about something that isn't that big of a deal, that's when you're angry. That's why the scripture says the anger of man will not bring about the righteousness of God. You see? Listen, let me show you something that happened here. When God created Adam and Eve, he said, don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. All right, it's like me. First of all, God created them and made them the authority figures on the earth. Blame it to the end. God created man with authority over the earth. How can you rule and reign if you don't know right and wrong? How are you going to rule and reign without knowledge? All right, so let me show you something. The tree of knowledge and good and evil was the shortcut. That they were trying to take. They're like, well, I can do things on my own. I can do it my own way. Listen, why could? They, how could they rule and reign? Wow, he's gonna show them. God was gonna show them. Mm, why? God is the perfect judge. Oh my goodness, he's blowing up. Wow. Okay, so why do you need a tree of knowledge of good and evil when you got the perfect judge and you're walking in communion with him? Mm. So, <clears throat> God, it's not that He didn't want them to know right and wrong. Is that he wanted to teach him? Why? He's a father. Mm. Oh, 
He's a father. He wants to teach them right and wrong. I don't think that God... Listen, I talk. I have my daughter who's seven years old, and I tell her don't go in the street. But when she's 16 years old, I'm going to teach her how to drive. In the street. You see? Don't do that. But over the next 10 years, she's going to learn, watch this, fear of the road. All right, some of y'all might think I'm a horrible dad for doing this. All right, you know what I did when I was when my daughter was little? I don't know, I shouldn't tell the story. People are going to think I'm really mad, bad, but... Okay, so I talk... Okay. You know, I'm stern with my children. I spank my children when they do wrong, and I raise my voice at them, Job, and I put the fear of dad... Get you I, you hear me? That. I put the fear of dad in my, my children. You know why I raise my voice? I don't want to have to spank them. If they will respect and fear my voice, then they won't have to get spanking. Right. Why? I don't want to spank my children. You see? Now... I've never had Just because I've raised my voice to my children doesn't mean that I hate them. It actually means I love them. Make sense? Now, if I'm getting irritable with them because they're doing something that annoys me and I raise my voice at them, that's wrong. That's evil. That is a skewed understanding of justice. But if I look at my children and say, listen to me, here's the rule. Don't go in the street. If you go in the street, you'll die. If you stay out of the street, you'll live. But he's seven years old. But I drive in the street all the time. So is this, what does this mean? Double standard. Well, that's why the devil said, oh, you won't die. Why? Because if my seven-year-old goes in the street right now, is she going to die? No, she might not die right then. But if she keeps on playing in the middle of the street, she might die. But I'm going to tell her, you're going to die. You know what I more, did? Listen. More dangerous out there. <laughs> so I had to get this scenario where I, because I knew, I, what if I'm not always around to tell her? What if one day I turn my back and she starts taking off of the road? So I sat there one day and I tried to teach her. I said, listen, you don't ever go in the street. You don't ever go in the street. So I had a ball. We're sitting there on the sidewalk. I said, never go in the street. And I rolled the ball out. Yeah. Ah, I said, don't go in the street. Ah, she starts crying. Ah. I said, you go on the street, you're going to get spanking. You understand me? But I threw the ball out there on purpose. But as I'm testing my daughter. Now, I'm not trying to destroy my daughter. The test wasn't testing supposed to destroy my daughter. The test was to get my daughter to open her eyes. Watch. If I can have her fear me, not it's not tormenting fear like, oh, dad's out to get me. You see what I'm saying? Respectful fear. Trying to yes. keep her safe. But there is a fear of the board. You see what I'm saying? I don't want to get a spanking with the board. That is a fear. That's a true fear. But it's not a fear of, man, that, that board can just come off the ball any moment now and just beat the crap out of me. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's unpredictable. Listen, what, when, fear, when fear is bad is when it's unpredictable. I'm very yeah. predictable. My children can predict me. My dad used you know to how I know they can predict me? You know, how, you know how I know they can predict me? Because I don't lose my temper. That's awesome. When I, listen, I don't lose my temper. I'm slow to anger. I'm abounding in steadfast love. I want to be like my father, the Heavenly Father, who's patient. It doesn't mean they never get a spanking, but they're a child. So I have to spank them as they grow so they can learn. Why? So when they become adults, they don't have worse consequences. Mm, amen. Yeah. Yes. You see? And they can pass on down to their generation. They can go down to the next generation. All right, so I keep teaching my children. So my, and my, I would have these moments where I would literally take her to that curb and roll that ball out and make sure she didn't go out in the street. You know what I'm saying? Make sure it's not bad. That's good parenting. It is. No, yeah, it is good parenting. Yeah, but CPS will take your kids. Away <laughs> now, if she ran on the street right then, people might think, "Well, you're a da bad dad. You you tempted her. I didn't tempt her. I was trying to teach her the right way. See what I'm saying? I'm not tempting her. Threw the thing out. Now I didn't just like. 
I didn't take her out in the street and spank her while she was in the street. No. You're saying if she learned to listen. I, you see what I'm saying? I, I rolled the ball out to see if she was going to go after it. But she cried about it. I said, no. Who's going to go get that ball? Dad's going to go get that ball. Mm. Why? I'll put myself on the line. I'm not going to put my daughter on the line. Yeah. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> Daddy will protect her daughter. So there's a lot of beauty here. Listen. You know what fear? A proper reverential fear does it creates trust amen what is that word reverential reverential respectful fear it creates trust if you implement fear in a godly way it creates trust why because fear is faith you know what my you know what it is my daughter believes me you know what that that's what fear is when my daughter fears dad and fears um uh, crossing the line, it's actually, if you do it godly and you don't do it abusively, then it creates a faith in dad. It creates a faith. When dad says he's going to spank me, he is going to spank me. You can check this out. When I tell my two year old, my three year old, you want to get a spanking? <laughs> Immediately. Why? Because he knows I'm going to follow through. Why? Because I don't ever lie to him. Listen, do you understand the beauty of this? Can y'all see the beauty of this? Okay. Can you understand how uh, fathers, if they get um, if they get emotional in their parenting, how they can literally destroy their children? Yep. David. You can destroy your children if you're emotional and you spank. Why? Because you're unpredictable then. Mm. It's not a matter of whether or not my dad will spank me. It's a matter of whether or not my dad is predictable. Is my dad trustworthy? <coughs> you see? I believe you. But I, I believed my dad when he told me, dad, Zach, today you're going to get two spankings. Now, did I think my dad was going to destroy me? No. I thought he was going to give me two spankings. And it was going to be over. You know? And, you know, uh, but, you know, I know that there's been people I've talked to that have said, man, my, my, my dad would just put us in a merry-go-round and he would go until he got tired, you know? Mm. And that's an abuse of fatherhood. That's not a proper fear. That listen, if you spank him hard enough the first time, it'll count. I don't gotta spank my children more than once. Very rarely. I spank my kid one kid one time. Boom. But Max, I actually have a, a limit for myself. See, this is stuff that I do with my my wife. I said, listen, we're gonna create a rule. Why? Because what if I am angry one day? What if I lose my anger? I need a rule that will govern me. I need a, a law that will protect me from my own anger. You see? So I, me and my wife me and my wife made up a rule saying the max amount of spankings is going to be three. I've never had to spank my Well, okay, that's not true. Only for real bad. And I've had to do that once for my kids because they wouldn't um, submit no, and, and bend over. But that was one time, or, or twice with one of the kids. But but after that, that was it. And I wasn't even spanking those times when it was beyond the three mark, that it was actually anger. It was for one purpose. In fact, my heart broke after five. I couldn't, do, I didn't want to do it no more. Why? Because I love my child. I don't want to hurt him. But I know this, that if he doesn't learn how to submit to his authority, it will destroy his life. You see? Yeah. So it will literally destroy him in his whole life if I don't do this one moment right here. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. my, my point is that 
if we create a proper proper reverential fear, it actually creates trust. I remember this when I went to high school. I moved back to Texas. My dad was in the Navy. I moved back to Texas, and they, I found out they could spank you in the school. And I did not mess up one time in school. <laughs> and the reason why was, first of all, I knew that my dad spanked hard, and I knew, and I, but I trusted my dad. And here's the only reason why I didn't act up in school. I did not trust that teacher to spank me. Why? Because I don't know him. Yeah. I know my dad. I know my dad's not going to kill me. I know it's going to hurt a lot, but I know my dad loves me. See? So I would, dude, I didn't act up in school. You know, but the reason why was because I was, it was, un, I didn't know what to expect from the school. I knew what to expect from my dad. Fear you see what I'm saying? Fear of the unknown. And so, uh, my point is this. Um, it was in high school that I discovered how much I trusted my dad because of spanking. When we look at the spankings as an evil, we look at God judging as an evil thing. Look, listen, God is, yes, God loves us and he wants us to be saved, you know. So, in Galatians, it talks about not you don't oh you don't have to follow the law, but at the very end it says oh but don't be don't 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 be fooled God will not be mocked you will reap what you sow. Galatians talks about reaping what you sow. If you reap to the flesh, you will reap corruption. If you reap to the spirit, you will reap life. Okay, so there is a law. Let me show you this. Okay, it's it's a lot like the law of gravity and the law of lift. Okay. There are certain principles. Listen, before they discovered this, before the Wright brothers started learning about flight. Oh, you, you're an airman. He's going to know all the rules here. I don't know you know the law, but you might be able to teach us something. <laughs> In the law of gravity, okay, the law of gravity is always here. It never stops. It never quits. Now, when, when were the Wright brothers? You know what year it was? Okay, it's right. When they came in, whenever they came in and started doing the airplane whatnot, right? They discovered a new law. They discovered that if they applied certain principles, hear me out, Steve. If they applied certain principles, that they would seemingly defy the law of gravity. Did gravity ever quit, though? No. 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 The law of God is always there. Then, 2,000 years ago, a law of lift came. Jesus. And if we come and apply the law of lift of Jesus in our life, we will defy the law of gravity. But guess what? If you stop applying the law of lift at any moment, gravity takes place. All out of the sky. You hear what I'm saying? Mm. What we have to understand is in Christ, we have opportunity to take advantage of the law of lift. Mm. But when we stop operating, well, how does the law of lift, though, work? When you're talking about the kingdom, Jesus, the law of Jesus, the new order, only is applied in faith. I talk about the table of grace. Okay, there's stuff that's been bought for us. Alright, so we can see there's different faith levels. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. If you gear yourself up and prepare yourself, you'll be able to start fly at different altitudes. That's true. You see what I'm saying? It depends on your equipment. It depends on what you've prepared for. Right? Alright? But it's all the same principles. You see? It's what you prepared for, though. All right, so faith, you can increase in faith. Okay, you can increase in grace. The scripture says that very much. It says, of you, grace be multiplied to you. Oh, but we can grow in grace. Or the more grace, it says in James, right? 
So we can grow in grace. If I come to the banqueting table and I go down this buffet and I grab my, myself a couple plates full of, of stuff, right? And I get to the very end, I'm like, oh man, I ran out of room. It's just because you didn't bring enough plates. Because it's a buffet. You can eat as much as you want to eat. But if you don't have a stomach for it, mm -hmm. mm. same thing with faith. There's a lot of things that Jesus has paid for in this law of lift that defies all, a lot of principles in the law of gravity. Okay, as far as the spiritual, spiritual kingdom is, 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 is pertaining to. So like, salvation. Everybody believes Jesus came to save us from our sins. But then some people don't believe that you can be healed from your sicknesses. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So if you have faith only for salvation, that's all you're going to get. Mm -hmm. You're only going to go as, about as high as the... Uh, I don't want to downplay salvation like it's, you know, nothing. That's the beginning. It's, it, is, it is the crux of the whole thing. You know what I mean? Just like the first flight was the crux of all things. But there's other things we can do now. We don't have to wait till sweet and by and by to be saved. We can save things now. We can raise the dead. You know what I'm saying? We have to understand what we have access to in faith. But the moment we stop applying these principles, because faith is how you do it, it's just like taking off your parachute in the middle of a drop. Now I'm going to start unbuckling. I'm only still 100 feet off the ground. You know, <laughs> you're gonna drop because you're you're breaking some laws of lift. You see what I'm saying? So, what I'm trying to say is over here. Let's go over here. What, is, what is gravity though? Is that the law of Moses? Yeah. Well, the law of Moses, the law of sin and death. It just, it just showed you your sin, showed you your combination. It yeah. showed you that you couldn't you couldn't be saved without a savior. Yeah. Would you say that it's like you know the airplane near storms? But the storm airplanes go above the storm. You can see a storm below you. Mm -hmm. You see the sun. No, but you couldn't see the sun unless you go on top of the storm. It's always there. You just can't see it if you're staying underneath mm. a storm. That's good. That's good, Chris. That's a good word. Over here in Isaiah 54. It says right here. <clears throat> Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth, from verse 4, and the reproach of your widowhood. You will remember no more. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. The God of the whole earth he is called. For the Lord has called you like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit like a wife of the human. She's cast off, says, says God. Watch this, verse 7. For a brief moment I deserted you, but with great compassion I will gather you. So we're talking about how God has done judgment, but then how God wants to restore. Okay? An overflowing anger. Not just anger, overflowing anger for a moment. <laughs> right? That's what it says. I don't understand that. Overflowing anger for a moment. Never stop. I hid my fat my face from you. Watch this. An overflowing anger for a moment. I hid my face from you. But with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you. Listen. It is not evil for God to have overflowing anger. For a moment it's just justice but what's even better is his mercy and his compassion that follows but with everlasting love I will have compassion on you everlasting. I'm going to I have this anger for justice I was zealous and I was jealous for my bride because she was an adulteress <laughs> when you be mad if your wife started cheating or something? right justified it's yeah. justified but with compassion, I will pursue you. It's good. 
We deserve to be deserted. But he chose not to do that. His compassion overrode his anger. Listen, God was angry. But God has everlasting love. What I'm trying to say is that we can't overlook some of these scriptures just because we want to only say God is good and God can't ever be angry. God's anger is good. It's just. It's just. Just like when your mom gets angry. No, she's angry, but she still loves you. That's right. But, and that's true, as long as she's not anger, angry out of irritation and annoyance. See, if I go spank my kid because they annoyed me and spilled my cup over and I just got annoyed, well, then I crossed the line in justice. I was, I had, but we go back to the tree of knowledge and good and evil, where I've made a law unto myself and I'm not really seeking the higher law of God. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. it, oh, you offended me, so now I'm going to pass judgment on you. This is why violence and anger gets out of hand, because people made their own law instead of seeking God for what's right. And was going to offend it too nowadays. This is why your wars over in the Middle East are nonstop. Yeah. Because, well, you did this to me. 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 Okay, well, why don't we just come back to the cross and realize the compassion of Jesus overrode his anger. See, y'all see that? If we could get it, we our compassion would override our anger, and we stop having the record of wrongs. Man. Why? Because God already removed his record of wrongs from us. All right, it's good stuff. So that's where, watch this, this is so cool. They ate from the, oh wow. They're in the fast track. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. Good things. We think, oh, that's going to save us. That's what they thought. Oh, you'll be like God. Knowing good and evil. But the thing about it, all the truths were, they were alive, they all did happen. Their eyes did open. They did become like God, yeah. but like I read from that teaching, right? Yeah. He, his lies were half-truths. Oh, you won't die? Who it comes from. <clears throat> they didn't die right away. Eventually. We are they dying. Did. They are dying. Why? Oh, so good. Mm. I want to know something really cool. Check this out. So the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's just like when when, mm. when I was in my addiction. It wasn't immediate. This tree is a knowledge of good and evil. It has to do with judgment, guys. <laughs> Look at this. This is so powerful. Y'all see this? The tree of knowledge of good and evil has to do with judgment. Judging right and wrong. Mm -hmm. mm. Come on. Ha! Look at this, guys. <laughs> The judgment of right and wrong. As soon as they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they began judging. Mm. Hey, where are you at? Where are you at? Well, uh, I ran in here because I was afraid. Because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? Did you eat from that tree I told you not to eat from? That woman, boom, immediately starts judging. <laughs> right? That woman. Why? He's judging. It's He's judging because of his understanding of right and wrong. This is so good. Keep recording. Are you recording? Keep on recording this post on Facebook because I'm about to share something blowing your mind. The tree of knowledge and good and evil was a tree of judgment. They learned to judge, but they judged wrongly. The scripture says that they lived and that they did what was right in their own eyes. But there is a right the way that seems right to a man, but it leads to destruction. All right, check this out, guys. So this tree of knowledge was a judgment tree. You want to see something really cool? Yeah, break it out. Jesus died on the tree. And it was also a judgment tree. Oh my goodness, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Jesus died on a tree of judgment. It's good. He killed that tree right there in your life. Oh, oh man. He, that tree didn't have no fruit on it no more. Yeah. It was stripped down. Everything was taken off of it. It was stuck in the ground and a man was hung on it. Man, look at this man. Not just the man. He was he was the new creation. Why? Because the first creation failed. 
So he took a second creation. Oh my gosh. He took a second creation and he put it on that tree and sacrificed for the first creation so that he could redeem the first creation and the resurrection of the second creation. You know that Jesus died on the Friday, right? Oh man. This was the fifth. Mm, this is the sixth, sixth day. He died on the sixth day. The same day that man was created. Mm. On the seventh day, he rested in the grave. But the same day that God rested from creation. And on the first day, he rose again, which is the <laughs> beginning of the new creation. The first day, let there be light. The light of man. The light of God. Oh, Jesus is the light of God. Woo. Resurrected from the darkness back into light. Mm. It's good. Let the light shine. Woo! Tree of judgment. Ah! Woo! Jesus is awesome. Rule and reign. Listen, he created us to rule and reign, but he created us to rule and reign in mercy. Oh, man. Listen, this is why the anger of God is not bad. It's good. Without it, Jesus wouldn't have died on the cross. It says that he poured his, all his wrath upon his son. Thank Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the wrath of God. That it was poured out on Jesus. If it wasn't, listen, if God didn't have wrath, he couldn't judge sin. If he couldn't judge sin, I couldn't be set free from sin. Because he had to judge sin in Jesus on the cross. He judged, he judged. The judgment of God is good. The judgment of God is pure. We have to stop saying that whenever God judged in the Old Testament, it was, oh, God was a bad God. God's not a bad God. God's a good God. That's why he did judge. Because he's not a liar. He don't break his word. Yeah. Listen, God is not, well, look, God is good. When he judges, and God is good when he redeems. God is good when he judges, and God is good when he redeems. This is the perfect wisdom of God. Jesus is the perfect wisdom of God. How can God be a just God and judge, yet still love you? Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus took the punishment for your sin so that you wouldn't have to. This is why we believe in healing. Because healing in the Old Testament... I mean, sickness in the Old Testament was a sign of judgment. This is why whenever the people, uh, when the disciples came by the, the blind man and said, whose sin is it that caused this man to be blind? His parents are his own. And Jesus said, forget all that. I came to fix it. Mm-hmm. Stop focusing on the law because I came to redeem you from the law. He didn't tell them they were wrong. Because guess what? It's the sin of Adam. It's the sin of me. It's the sin of my parents that caused the things in my life to come to corruption. But it's Jesus that will redeem the life of corruption. So Jesus came to say, it's not, y'all are missing it. It wasn't. God didn't make that mind blind for the glory of God. He redeemed the man for the glory of God. It's good. See, there is a beautiful wisdom in the judgment of God. Yeah, he was blind because of sin. But Jesus came to take the penalty for sin. That's why he could set him free from his blindness. Mm. See, if we understood that it was just a right of ours in Christ to be set free from sickness, if we just understood that it was as powerful as being saved, that I I don't have a right, but I do have a right. What about a right? Because it was a very high price that Jesus paid. If I say, well, I don't have a right, then I spit on the cross. I devalue what the cross actually did for me. The value of the cross. The value of the cross set you free from your sin. The value of the cross set you free from your sickness. 
any listen, anything that brings death in your life is because of sin. It's the law of gravity in the kingdom. Anything that breaks that law falls, brings death. Mm. We need to start applying the law of lift. We understand what we've got now. It's a new promise. He came to put to death the old self. This is why we can overcome sin. Amen. We can overcome sin. Yep. Now. Stop waiting to get to heaven to be perfect. Be perfect now. <laughs> well, that can't be perfect. Mm -hmm. The scripture says he was perfected in love. You can be perfected. Amen. You can become more perfect every day. You can walk a righteous, holy life. That's why it says in 1 John, it says, he came to destroy the works of the devil. What's the first work of the devil? Sin. Sin. Yep. So why am I going to say, well, he can heal, but he can't make me walk in a blameless life? Hmm. Well, I'm walking in a blameless life because it was worth it. Well, he paid for me on the cross was enough to help me walk a blameless life. Hmm. The only time I start messing up is when I forgot who I was. Well, it's when I stop applying the law of lift and the gravity starts taking place again. I forgot I'm in an airplane. <laughs> Your faith, your engines, with your faith. Your engines will off. You can walk. Listen, go over to Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. We'll close out on that one. Light shines, guys. I started out with that. I don't know if I ever talked about that. Matthew chapter 5. That's good stuff. Matthew chapter 5. Listen, why wouldn't we want everybody to know this? Why do we have to be so quiet? I talked to a guy back in high school. I said, man, I started talking about Jesus. Listen, here's the thing. If you don't start talking to me about Jesus, I'm going to preach the gospel to you and get you saved. <laughs> if you don't talk to me about Jesus, I'm going to talk to you about Jesus and get you saved. Amen. Why? Because you're probably not saved. If Jesus isn't spewing out of you, like a shaking up soda, where is your carbonation? Mm. You don't got it. I'm going to question your salvation. I mean, I don't mean to be mean or nothing, but for real. No, 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 don't nope. get in there. Don't get in there because my camera. No, I put it over here. Okay. All right, y'all got me? Where are we at? Matthew 5, 14. Matthew 5, 14. Carbonation. If I come up to you and you're not swinging with the gospel, mm -hmm. you get saved. See, my point is this, man. we got to be able to uh, understand that, that we're called for one purpose. You didn't get saved just so you get to heaven when you die. You got saved, so you're going to make a difference. Amen. You got saved, and you left here. If it was about going to heaven when you died, then we received Jesus, you would have gone straight to heaven. <laughs> but you left here for a purpose. Amen. You left here for a purpose. You're a mediator. Did you know that? You are a priest of this world. Gatekeeper. Immediately, you become a priest of this world. He says, I've made you a holy nation, a priesthood, a holy nation. Lord, mm. Acts chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put into a put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Listen, I got this guy. I started talking to him in, in high school. I was like, hey, listen. You know, I started talking about Jesus, and he's like, well, I'm a Christian. I said, well, do you ever share the gospel? Well, no, man. My faith is private. I just... I, I don't talk to anybody about that. I'm thinking, you're going straight to hell then. <laughs> Jesus said it. He said, if you're ashamed of me before a man, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. Amen. If you don't open your mouth and start talking about Jesus, then you don't know him. Yeah. 
just I mean I'm not saying that you're going to hell because you were because you didn't talk about Jesus. I'm saying that you're not talking about Jesus because you don't know him. If you knew him, you'd talk about him. But the fact that you're quiet about it shows me you don't know him. Yeah. Either that or you don't know him daily. You don't have an intimate relationship with him. You see what I'm saying? You're not walking in communion with him. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Listen, dude. Either that or you lack love. Yeah, Jesus said, the scripture says in First uh, John, it says that, um, that how can we not love our brothers? How can we say we love God but don't love our brothers? Yeah, that is so true. Let me, let me show you a picture of this. <laughs> the guy next to you who's not saved is going to be burning an eternal fire. How can you lovingly walk by them and not say anything? How do you call that love? It's called neglect. You know that children are taken away from their parents because they neglect them. It's hate. That's what hate is, is neglect. So if you walk by somebody and don't share the gospel with them, then you hate them. You see? Hmm. Well, so like, you don't know the, the, the gospel. I mean, or you don't know the gospel. But that's what I'm saying. Intimacy with the Father. But you're also talking about some people like like soul seeds, some people water broke God. So like, these are different yeah. parts because I feel like people can take that literally just like yeah. walk around knocking on doors. I've seen people do that. Like, do you know you know Jesus? But then there's no relationship. There's no like really yeah. building. Yeah, but, okay, but check this it's, out though. Um, I don't have to have a relationship with somebody to go pull them out of a burning house. No, yes. absolutely not. I just go in there and knock on the door and pull them out. Then I can build a relationship afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, because I saved him from a burning house, I probably have a good relationship with him. Different parts, like, it's like the different parts of the body, man. Like, there's the evangelists, like, and they're literally just going off, boom, 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 gospel, gospel, giving truth, right? Mm -hmm. But then the people that are making disciples, you have pastors and stuff that are connecting, that are making, like, we're like, and I think we're, we're all called to do all of that, but it's a simple matter of, you're getting equipped to do the work, like yeah, you know. And yeah, some people are better so, than others. Okay. So one tool gives the gospel; another tool connects with the person. But an evangelist's like, job isn't just to preach the gospel. An evangelist's job is to equip you to preach the gospel. Yes. So check this out: if your neighbor is house is burning down, and you've got a, a water hose and some buckets, but you don't have a fire, but you don't have access to the fire hydrant or 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 or, or a fire truck. Mm -hmm. Does that disqualify you from helping them? No. No, you can go get your little buckets and start pouring water. You what see what I'm saying? Yeah, what you, you got? The little. Ooh. What do we start out with? The talents. Yeah. Be faithful with the little. Mm. What do you have? Put what you have to work. But who got in trouble? The man who said, well, God's sovereign. He reaps where he doesn't sow. No, he's not really working. He's the Calvinist guy. Oh, well, it's not up here anymore. The one who says, oh... Well, whoever's going to get saved is going to get saved, and whoever doesn't get saved is not going to get saved. Lazy. So I'm not going to go out and do anything for the kingdom, but you are co labor with Christ. No, that makes sense. Because I was thinking about, like, even when my boss was talking about his retirement and all the stuff he's dealing with, and for some reason, scripture just came to me, you know, trust in the Lord, like, <coughs> lean out on your own understanding, but all you want is acknowledge Him and He'll direct your paths. And that's why I just told him, or like when I got prayed over from you. You know, you didn't have friend relationship with me, right. but now we're building that. So that makes yeah. sense. But so it's, it's love, faith. really. It's love, and I think it's the building because I don't naturally want to go up to people and start talking to right. them. Right. But if you love people, it's natural. Gotcha. Watch this. Listen. It's what it is is fear versus love. If you're afraid to go talk to them, this is the main reason people don't share the gospel, is they're afraid. 
The Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. So if I, watch this, if I love Jesus and I want him to, to I, watch this, if I love Jesus and I want his sacrifice to mean the most, right? He died for all, so why don't I need to tell all? You know what I'm saying? I'm not giving, watch this. <clears throat> it's like, it's like um, a businessman paying and investing into a business and I'm not giving back that investor all that his money was worth. I'm just going and doing a little bit here, a little bit there, instead of really getting to work with what he invested. The sacrifice that Jesus was paid is a very heavy price. I, I want to make sure that every moment of my life, I'm making the most impact with what he paid for. Mm -hmm. I want his money, I want his blood to make the most impact. You see what I'm saying? But if I just sit on it, I waste it. I squander my inheritance. You no, see? I make it old money. Yeah. Huh? But no, new money. Old money. New. Passed down generation. Yeah. Reprint. I, I mean, I see what you're saying. It's just applying it. I understand it. It takes time. I'm not, I'm not saying everybody's going to do ministry exactly the same way. Gotcha. What I'm trying to say is that you have something. Okay. That makes sense. Do you know that Jesus loves you? And that's all you know about the gospel? Go tell the guy next to you that Jesus loves them. Do you want to tell him what we're going to Say what you have. Okay. Jesus loves y'all. There you go. <laughs> I'm not saying, listen, listen, what we're going to get, okay, okay, what I think what we're getting down to now is back to the talents. What if the guy with the two talents started to compare himself to the guy with the five talents? Five. You can't so compare yourself. Right. If you have two talents and, and that's your ability and you no, go make two talents more, you can't compare yourself to the guy with the five talents. Y'all don't have the same ability. It's okay. Listen, as long as you were faithful with your two and made two more, you're good. Okay. And this guy had five, he made five more, he's good. You can't compare what your impact is versus somebody else's impact. You have to just be faithful with the little that you have. Mm. You see what I'm right. saying? I'm You're not right. saying that you have to be like Billy Graham and, and minister to a million people at Billy one time. Billy Graham's a graham cracker. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm not saying that you've got to have the same ministry as some... Listen, God created you with a purpose. He created you with a purpose. Everybody has their own purpose, but you have to be faithful with it. My point okay. is, God has given you a piece of the kingdom. You need to go do something with it. Okay. Okay? And what we do as we practice, we grow. <laughs> See what I'm saying? All right, cool. Uh, what I'm saying, okay, what I'm saying is that third guy who said, "Well, I don't got to do nothing. God already reaps where He does not sow." My gospel's private. He was thrown outside with the unbelievers. Mm -hmm. See, because yeah. he didn't do anything with his faith. Mm -hmm. It was the other two. Never take for listen. Well, you don't. Okay, another thing. Check this out. Never take for granted what you do have. Amen. That's true. Yeah. You never know how it works. You do have something. You need to discover what you do have. We'll be faithful with it. God says, I'll give you more. You see? Yes. Don't be discouraged because, well, this person is doing a better job than I am. When you stand on judgment day, you will not be judged according, you will not be judged uh, you versus somebody else. It will be you only on the stand with what was given to you and what you did with it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Stop comparing yourself to everybody else. Well, I'm not as good as so-and-so. You're not going to get a reward based off what somebody else did. Thank you for watching and listening to this message. Be sure to hit the like button, share it to your friends, and subscribe to our channel for more content every single week. And if you haven't yet, be sure to visit our website at bombzs.com. We have a lot of content there and a lot of things that are absolutely free. So be sure to utilize us as much as possible. We hope that you were blessed by this message. Till next time, have a blessed day.